we are continuing our journey with, with I saw a sign, looking at the seven signs of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And today we're focusing on um, the sixth sign, which, if you, again, if you like titles for talks, today is Now I See. You might be able to figure out a bit of what it's about so far. But I, I don't know about you, but and I say this often, but I feel that God has really been speaking through the series. I feel like they're timely. Uh, Martin and Mike over the last couple of weeks have unpacked scripture brilliantly. And it's just been amazing what God is doing and kind of how he's moving in us. Or is that just me? Just me then. Wow. Okay. Mike, you and Martin spoke to me, if nothing else. Thank you. Do we need to stand up and stretch? Do we need to do some jumping jacks to get the, the blood flowing? I mean, I'm, I'm at that level. I'm, I'm a former youth pastor. I can do it if I need to. No, we good? Everybody good? Everybody awake? Okay, cool. All right. Well, we're going to continue this morning um, with, with uh, the I Saw a Sign series. I'm not singing the song anymore for you, but you can go ace of bass if you want to. <laughs> Somebody wants to sing it. You're more than welcome to. But we're going to dive into uh, our reading for today. Um, um, again, make no apologies that it's relatively long. It's John 9, 1 through 34. It's the actual sign and a little bit more because I feel that there's some more context to go with it. Are you ready for the scripture reading? I get the feeling I might look up and there'll be some people asleep this morning, but that's okay. Here we go. Ready? John 9, verses 1 through 34, and it says this. As he went along, Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spat on the ground made some mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted. I am the man. How then were your eyes opened? They asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and he put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed. And then I could see. Well, where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. So they brought to the Pharisees the man who'd been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. Well, the man replied, he's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked. 
Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? Well, we, we know he is our son, the parents answered, and, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or, or, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Amen. I mean, what a reading, eh? Can you imagine being that guy? <laughs> Not only is he healed, but all that he goes through. I mean, wow. Like I said, I know a bit of a long reading, but you kind of need the whole thing, don't you? And there's loads. There is loads that we could dive into and we could unpack. And there's theological questions. There's the back and forth. But there's a few things that God has laid on my heart for this morning that I really want to draw out today. And it starts with the fact that sometimes the rubbish in our lives is there so that God can be glorified. Let me say that again. Sometimes the rubbish in our lives is there so that God can be glorified. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. I mean, truth of the matter is, when, when life is rubbish, usually our response is, why me? Right? Why me, God? What have I done to deserve this? Perhaps we're not bold enough to ask that of God, but we'll turn to our friends or our family. Why me? Why do I deserve this? Aren't I a good person? Haven't I tried really hard? Why me? And the thing is that oftentimes when we ask that question, we try and find reasons. Well, you see, if you hadn't have done this, then that wouldn't have happened. Well, you've been living a pretty rubbish life lately, so you know. 
Or if we don't start hearing those things for ourselves or saying those things, sometimes the enemy sneaks in and starts whispering those lies. You know why that's happening to you? Because of this, because of that, because of the other. And then suddenly you find yourself feeling guilty and holding on to stuff and going, what in the heck is going on? And then you might cry out, God, why me? But we see Sometimes the rubbish in our lives isn't because of our sin or past sin or future sin or what you've done, what I've done. Sometimes it's not about us. Sometimes it's about bringing God glory. I hate to bring it up, but there's a big glaring book in the Bible that really reflects this repeatedly. We don't like reading it because it's hard and it's difficult and we don't ever want to be this character. But the book of Job really points to the fact that all the rubbish that he went through wasn't because he was bad, wasn't because, in fact, he was a righteous man. He was seen to be so God-honoring that when the devil comes to God and says, let me try, he goes, go on, give it your best shot. (laughs) Give him your best shot. He ain't going to fold. What if our perspective on these situations changed. What if our perspective, when we were in the rubbish, rather than saying, Lord, why me? We said, Lord, right now in this, for your glory, how are you going to fix it? Lord, for your glory, use me. What's up? Let's go. Come on, God, I'm ready. What if our perspective changed? What if in the middle of the rubbish that you're in right now, rather than crying out in desperation, going, why me? Because you don't have the answer to it. In the middle of your desperation right now, you say, okay, Lord, you know what? For your glory, for your kingdom, how are we walking out of this? Because even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I know I'm walking through it with him. Okay, we're in it. We're in the rubbish. I don't know how we're getting out, but God, for your glory, by your power, not my strength, but yours, let's go. I think some of us might need to hear that this morning. We need to change our perspective And that's hard because that sounds like I'm saying, just pick yourself up from the bootstraps and go. That's not what I'm saying, right? Life is much more complex than that. But what if, what if what you're in right now is all about God being glorified? That when you'd come out the other side, people would be able to look to you and talk to you and you'd be able to sit there and go, you know what? I've been there, but this is how Jesus pulled me out. This is how Jesus saved me. This is how I walked through it with Jesus right by my side. One thing that people, that non-Christians can never take away from you is your testimony. They can never take away what God has done in your life. Amen? I mean, they can argue any polemic argument that can come at you against the Bible, say, well, what about this? What about that? They can never take away your testimony. And the fact is that when we change our perspective and we say, hey, God, I'm in this rubbish, but come on, how is this going to be for you? Guess what? That's part of your testimony. And when you walk out the other side, whatever it may be, whatever it may be, physical healing, emotional, spiritual, whatever, financial, whatever it is, when you come out the other side, you then have two choices. You shut your mouth and just keep on walking, or you shout it from the rooftops and give him the glory. I was here, but now I'm not. You know why? Because of Jesus. Because I said, Jesus, this is for you. I'm in it, but let's let you be glorified in how we get out. This is for you. 
What if our viewpoint changed? What difference could it make in your life if your perspective changed? Because let's be honest, we shouldn't be surprised that God wants to use our rubbish to glorify him. That shouldn't be a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise that every part of our lives are about glorifying him. Yet somehow we are surprised. You want to use my mess, my brokenness, my disaster to bring yourself glory, God? Really? How? Because he wants to make sure that everybody knows that we can't do it without him. That he is who he says that he is. That he is beginning and end, maker of everything. That he is savior. That challenge of go out and invite people and tell people, guess what? That is like legit about this. Go out and share with those people around you what God has done in your life. And let's be honest, God does things differently. He does things strange. So like maybe you don't want to mess with someone's rubbish or maybe you want the credit if you help somebody out of something, but God's, God's about like literally saying, it's not about you, it's about me. And he does it differently. And we see that Jesus works in our lives in the most surprising, sometimes strange ways. Jesus works in our lives in surprising ways. And sometimes they are downright strange. Verse 6, after saying this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. Pete, can you come here for a second? This is my buddy Pete. Some of you guys know him. If you don't know him, this is Pete. Pete, come to the front. Pete, you're going to be a blind man for me. You're going to be blind. So close your eyes. Now, when he's fully blind, he can't see anything. He's actually at least pretending to be blind. <laughs> now, if you've been blind, Pete, and I said to you, I've got a solution. Wait for it. I've got to put this on your eyes. Are you okay with that? Oh, good. You're all good with that? Yeah. Mate, get out. <laughs> Somebody else. David, come here. Come here. I don't know who's good with spit in their eyes. Let's be honest. If you're a blind man, this is, this is David. Hello. Right, I'm going to say you're blind. I can fix it. Ready? You ready for it on your eyes? Exactly. Thank you very much. You can say thank you very much. Now we all know who to avoid afterwards. Who likes to spit? I'm just saying. It's strange, y'all. Our reaction. I mean, let's be honest. He's blind, so he can't see what Jesus is doing. But like, you can hear. He just, he just spit. I mean, just hold, hold on. Is he? Whoa, why is he touching my eyes? What is on my face? What are you doing? Like nowhere would you have thought, I know how I'll fix someone's blindness. And don't go spitting in mud unless you are told by the Lord and make sure you get permission if you're going to lay mud on someone's eyes. But it's strange. It's like, it's not what we, we wouldn't do. We would be like, what? Why are you putting spit on? And granted, it's Jesus. So like part of us would be like, well, it's holy. It's, it's the holiest there is. But they didn't know who Jesus was. Some of them were following Jesus. Some of them believed something of him, but he hasn't fully revealed himself. He hasn't yet taken the cross. He hasn't yet resurrected. People don't fully get it. To many, he's a great leader who suddenly spit on some mud. It's weird. How often is Jesus doing something weird in your life? How, how often has God asked you to do something in your situation and you're like, you know what? Mm-mm, God, this just, that can't be right, Jesus, because this is weird. 
Like people are going to think things of me, say things of me. Perhaps we should have Pete's attitude. Jesus, you're going to spit in my eyes. This is weird, but okay. I'm okay with it. Come on. Because the truth is that the Pete attitude is the godly one. The Pete attitude is the one that says, you know what, Jesus, I don't get it. Everything in my bones says this is awkward. But Jesus, you said so, so okay. What if our perspective changes in what we're going through, but then also our perspective changes in what God, how God wants to take us out of it? We all have an expectation. When I pray for a miracle, it's going to go like that, right? Lord, do this. Boom. Ha ha. Thank you very much. But what if he says, yeah, I'll do it, but I need you to let me spit on the ground, make some mud and put it on your eyes. Are we willing to receive that mud? I mean, imagine the walk for the blind guy. It wasn't just in that moment, right? It wasn't like him and Jesus. And he goes like, right, okay, you spit on the ground. and you Cool. Wash it off for me, Jesus. Great. Oh, oh look. No, no, no. He says, go. And so this guy has to walk already a beggar, already looked at weirdly with mud on his eyes like this. With stuff on his eyes. Also having to figure out where he's going. Because let's be honest, it wasn't like he has Google Maps. He goes, white, talk to me. Siri? Hey, great. Left, right, okay. He has to be guided. He has to figure out how he's going with mud on his eyes. I can imagine people were kind of going, what's up with this dude? Has he completely lost it now? I mean, he was poor, he was begging, but now, lost it. But he trusted. His perspective changed and it allowed him to go. How comfortable are you with Jesus doing some weird things in your life. The thing is, we'll say, oh yeah, definitely, I'm comfortable, woohoo, because I love Jesus. That's the right answer, right? Comfort, I can do that, no? But in the midst of what you're going through, are you comfortable for him to give you some really weird suggestion? It might be weird, it might be strange, but if it's what Jesus has said, well, Probably worth it because Jesus did some really strange and wonderful things. But as we continue, we see that when Jesus works in our lives, we, we are often unrecognizable. Let me say that again. When Jesus works in our lives, we are often unrecognizable. We see in verse 8, his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, 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 it only looks like him. But he said, no. I am the man. I love the way it's worded in the NIV as well. I am the man. <laughs> like, but I mean, let's be honest. He comes out unrecognizable. Not just because he could see, but obviously something in his demeanor had changed. Because if it was just that his eyes were open, people would have been like, it's the beggar, but his eyes are open. Wow, that's weird. But people had to quit. Is that him? I'm not, I'm not sure. It kind of looks like him. I've said this before and I will say it again because scripture says it repeatedly. As we love Jesus, as we allow him by his spirit to change us, we become more and more like Jesus. We look more and more like Jesus. We sound more and more like Jesus. If you look the same today as you did a year ago, something is wrong. 
Some of us don't like that statement. But if we are living the same exact way, looking the same exact way now as we did a year ago, something's wrong because we should look more like Jesus today. We should sound more like Jesus. Our life should be more reflective. We should be more loving, more gracious, more kind, more giving. We should be more like Jesus today than we were a year ago. Definitely more than when you first came to faith. Now, some of us grew up in church. I'm not one of those. And I, I often say it's a real sadness for me that I didn't grow up in church because I missed out on so much. But one of the things I'm really thankful for is that I know I can see a change in my life. Like, don't get me wrong. I was a nice guy, but following Jesus isn't about being nice. There's a lot of nice people in the world don't know Jesus. I was an okay human being, but when I gave my life to Jesus, my life was transformed. My priorities changed. I often tell the story that when I came to faith, literally, I was like, how can I serve in church every day? I would do every day except for Saturday. It really used to annoy me that there weren't Saturday events for people like me. I was like, what can I do? Nothing. I got to go find something to do. Because Sunday through Friday, I was at church, whether it be for choir practice, for small group, for ministry time, for community nights, for church, whatever. I gave everything. And my life was changed. And I've had some bumps throughout. There are some moments where I've fallen back a little bit more and been like, oh, no, hold on. I'm looking more like my old self. Let me go. Jesus, more of you. But if we are not transformed, we should be unrecognizable. That isn't to say you're not going to go to your high school reunion, your college reunion. People are like, oh, who are you? No, they'll recognize you physically, perhaps. Perhaps. But even then, perhaps not. Part of my journey, and I've literally been told when I... (laughs) Moment, right. Part of my physical journey in following Jesus is actually accepting the fact that, and I've talked about it before, I need to change the way I treat his temple, right? There's a whole journey there. But when I have lost weight, people have genuinely said, it doesn't even look like you, Adrian. You are unrecognizable. Those words have come out of people's mouths. And oftentimes, I've been a little bit upset about it because I'm like, well, I don't want to lose who I am. But actually, I should be really stoked about it, not because I've lost weight, but because actually the reason I lost weight, the reason I went on that journey was to honor God, was for him to be glorified. So if people can see a change to the point where I'm unrecognizable, then that's a good thing because actually means that I'm glorifying him. That's my story. I'm still on it. There's a long way to go. What's yours? How are you unrecognizable because of what Jesus has done in your life? We also see in the scripture that blindness is not just physical. Blindness is not just physical. We look at these scriptures and we see the miracles that Jesus performs, but we realize, if you really look at the text, that he doesn't just address physical blindness, but also spiritual. In verse 13, They brought to the Pharisees a man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. And therefore the Pharisees also asked him now um, how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. And we see the Pharisees right there, right in that moment. Their initial response was a legalistic one, but in that moment they are blinded. They can physically see. They can see the man walk up to him. They can see all this stuff, but they are spiritually blinded. They are spiritually not able to see God before them. Like they actually had physical evidence 
in front of them of what God had done through Jesus, and they couldn't see it. Ever, anybody ever feel like that? Perhaps it, like people are talking about something, you're like, I just, I can't, I can't see it. Maybe, maybe we need healing for that blindness. Maybe our healing this morning isn't a physical one where, where someone's going to spit into some dirt and make some mud and put it on our eyes. But maybe Jesus is going to appear by his spirit and maybe do that spiritually on our spiritual eyes to say, hey, guess what, y'all? Y'all got to open your eyes. You're missing it. Maybe there's something specific in your life. Like for the Pharisees, it was simple. They just didn't see Jesus. But maybe there's something specific that you are spiritually missing, emotionally missing. Might not be physical blindness. I mean, perhaps some of us have glasses and would prefer to have less of of a prescription. Perhaps some of us are legally blind and are wanting that healing. Perhaps there's physical blindness as well. But I reckon there's probably more emotional and spiritual blindness. Question is, are we going to let Jesus heal it? Or like the Pharisees, just keep on ignoring it? We can be blinded by things around us. We can be blinded to what God is doing. Blindness is not just physical. And we see that seeing the truth can lead to our lives being transformed. But we also see in this one scripture that it can be really hard. For those of us who are expecting those miraculous moments and everything to be fixed, unfortunately, I've said it before, scripture doesn't give us that. We see this blind man healed, his life transformed. Literally, he can see. He'd not ever been able to see from birth. Like, he had no idea what a tree should look like. He had no idea what color anything was. The sun, can you imagine? Like, have you ever walked from a dark room into the sunlight? And you go, ah, oh, so bright. He had never seen light. Imagine that. Again, as Mike said so amazingly when, about the healing of, of the layman, miraculously, he wasn't like immediately blinded by the sun. (laughs) Like he had prepared his eyes to receive it, right? Like God is good. But all of these things, his life was transformed. He could see things he'd never seen before. He could be seen by others in ways that they'd never seen him before. Yet in verse 27, he says, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want, do you, do you want to become his disciples too? And then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple, which by the way, totally not an insult. But to them it was. But can you imagine? You're a follower of Jesus. Why, thank you. I appreciate it. Anyway, I digress. Then they hurled insults at him. You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as, as far as this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Like, Scripture tells us they hurled insults at him. It wasn't like they, oh, they disagreed with him. So they said, we disagree. Could you leave, please? Guess what? When you come through your rubbish, when you change your perspective and you allow God to use it for his glory and you cry out to him and he heals you in weird and strange and wonderful ways. And when we go through and we realize that some of the blindness he's healing isn't just the physical, you will have your life transformed. Amen. Amen. But there's always a but. There'll be some challenge with it as well. Because you'll share it with somebody and they won't believe or they'll think you're crazy. 
or because you stepped out and you put your head above the parapet, someone's going to try and shoot it down. Because you stood for what you believe in, someone's going to knock you down or try to. Life is not going to be easy. You will receive insults. I have received so many in my days. And my days aren't even those that long. Got more years ahead of me, I think, than what I've lived. I hope and pray. But I can promise you that those days will come with insults. Some from within the church, hopefully not. But hey, we unfortunately are human and we turn against one another when we shouldn't. But definitely from outside the church. So yeah, your life will be transformed. But know that it comes with challenge as well. Finally, I I feel that we see in this scripture that our pride and our legalism and our self-righteousness can lead to us missing Jesus at work. Verse 34, to this they reply, they, they being the Pharisees, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Oftentimes, the reason we are spiritually blinded, emotionally blinded, whatever it may be, is sometimes perhaps because we've fallen to attack of the enemy because we are holding on to something, but oftentimes it's because of our pride or our legalistic view of something or our self-righteousness. And we see this reflected in the Pharisees. We see this in these group of people who turn to this amazing, miraculously healed man and they go, how dare you? Their pride, their self-righteousness speaks into that situation of how dare you lecture, who do you think you are? Guess what, guys? We're all followers of Jesus. We all have the right to speak. We all have the right to share. We all have something. And so, unfortunately for us, perhaps it might be difficult, but someone next to you may have the right in relationship, for the record, but will have the right to speak into your life. To perhaps say, you know what, I I love you, but you're being a bit self-righteous at this moment. You're You're not seeing what's going on because you're puffed up, because you're too proud. Why don't we drop it down? Why don't we humble ourselves? I've had conversations with people in the past around the world, not just here, for the record, it's not gambling, it's a Christian thing. I've had conversations with people that say, oh, well, I'm sorted, I'm good. It's everybody else I got to worry about. I'm sorry, what? No. We're not sorted. Hey, in, in Christ, we're being sorted. In Christ, we're being made new. In Christ, I have freedom and salvation. And thank you, Jesus, for that. But you know what? Until the day I die, there'll be some stuff that I need to work on. To the day I die, there'll be stuff that Jesus, by his spirit, has to change in me. To the day I die. And if I ever, if I ever, and this is permission for y'all, if I ever come up to you and say, hey, guess what? I'm sorted. Smack me. Hard. I'm, you can, I'm, I'm serious. Because I'm not sorted. Now, you might not give me that permission. That might, that might not be something you want me to do. But if you do, I will. So I won't beat you. I'll just, you know, a little... Smack in love. Don't worry. I'm not, I'm not condoning violence. But we need one another to call one another out. 
Are there things that you are too proud about, that you're too legalistic about, that you're too self-righteous about? Those are tough questions, and I can't answer them for you. Same way you can't answer them for me. You might have an inkling. You might want to have a conversation with me and be like, Adrian, have you noticed that perhaps this part of your life, you're, you're a bit overly proud in? But the true revelation comes as we humble ourselves before Christ. As we humble ourselves in prayer, God points it out in us. And so from this sign, a simple healing, we see so much. But then it begs the question, what are you blind to at the moment? Will you let Jesus heal you? Now, I can't answer the question what you're blind to at the moment. And, and perhaps you can't answer that question. But perhaps you, you, you through the, the course of this sermon, if nothing else, maybe the spirit has been stirring something up inside of you. And you're kind of like, actually, you know what? I've been acting blind, but I can see it. I'm just ignoring it. It's there in the corner. I just don't want to look at it. Per- perhaps God by his spirit is calling you out on something this morning. It says, hey, I want, I want to heal you of that. That you would be able to see I once was blind, but now I see. What do you need to see clearly this morning? What physical, spiritual, emotional healing do you require this morning? And the thing is that once you've identified it, once he's revealed it to you, you have one of two choices. You can either let Jesus weirdly and wonderfully spit on the ground and put that mud in your eyes. Or you can say, Jesus, you know, that's a bit weird. Not now. Now, I, I know what I want you to do. I know what my desire for your life is. I know what your, my desire for my life is. I know what I want us to do this morning. But it's not down to me. It's down to you individually. Allowing God to do it. Mike's going to come up and we're going to spend some time in prayer and in reflection and, and worship And we're going to just make some space for God by his spirit to move, to speak. And that might be a bit messy. That might be a bit uncomfortable. Maybe God has already started something in you this morning. And you're like, I really don't want to deal with this. Deal with it. Don't suppress it. Don't push it down. You're in a safe place. You're in a place where God is present, but also a place where those around you love you and want to journey this with you. So let's start with some prayer. Heavenly Father, we we thank you, God, that you're an awesome God. We thank you that you're a God of love, of grace, of mercy, that you're a God that sees our brokenness, our weaknesses, that sees our blindness, and you don't leave us there, God. You don't leave us there, but you come. You come and meet us, and you heal us. 
sometimes in strange and wonderful ways, but you heal us. So this morning, Lord, would, would we be ready and willing to receive from you? God, as we wait on you, as we worship you, would you move in our lives right now? Would you return sight where it is needed? Would you break chains where there is bondage? Would you bring healing where we need it most? In Jesus' name, amen.